Hey kiddo, welcome to the Inspire to Engage podcast, where we talk marketing for small business owners, how we can serve our existing clients well, and ways for us to engage more with potential clients. And of course, we'll talk some about the juggles and struggles to do all of this while still having a life. I'm your host, Rachel Eubanks, and I'm so happy that you're here. Hello, dear listener. I'm telling you right now, grab a sheet of paper, a pen or a pencil or a crayon, a chalk, whatever. Your smartphone will do as well. You are going to want to take notes with this episode. This episode is with Erin Hooley. She is the founder and owner of Bailey's Blossoms. She has grown this thing to insane numbers. It's infant and toddler wear, and she, of course, has two other lines as well now. But like many of us entrepreneurs, she has had her own bumps in the road, and she talks about these. I'll give you a little hint. One of them is with Etsy, and it could have been horrible. It probably should have ruined her business, but when backed up against the wall, she and her team came out fighting. So you're not going to want to miss what she did. I'll tell you another thing too. She talks about three levers. These are three levers that she and her team pull when they want to make sales on their site, which guess what is every day. But let's talk about this. If she has a sales go goal for a certain day or for a certain week or a quarter, her and her team sit down and think about which of these levers do we want to pull and how are we going to go about doing that? You're not going to want to miss that part either. Oh, and did I mention that she's a mom of six? So I'm telling you, you're going to want to take notes. I so enjoyed this conversation. I think you will too. It is mid-October right now and we are in quarter four. So we want to have our websites, especially if you're retailers, we want to have them ready. And I ask Erin, hey, how are you getting Bailey's Blossoms ready for this holiday rush? She also answers that question. Not going to want to miss that. Okay, without further ado, here is my conversation with Erin Hooley. Okay, Erin Hooley, I am so excited to have you here today. I uh, fell in love with you and that's, that's probably a little strong phrase right there. <laughs> But I'm a loving kind love. of person. <laughs> <laughs> but I fell in love with your teaching on a podcast that I just came across recently. And I immediately started figuring out how can I get her to talk to my audience. So Erin, thank you so much for yeah, graciously you. agreeing to be here. I want you to introduce yourself to the audience. I know they're going to be excited to hear from you. And then tell us how this business came to be. Absolutely. Well, Erin Hooley, I am the mother, the lucky mother of six children. I've got four boys and two girls, been married for about 16 years. Um, I've got a kind of a unique business story because I was married two weeks after my 19th birthday and had six kids by the age of 28. So uh, no degree. I don't even have an associate's degree. So it's a very, you know, paper credentials does not give me much credit for being uh, for saying this woman could potentially be successful, right? So all that said, I also have a little bit of a stubborn streak, which 
Fits me well most days, some days not so much, but uh, the challenge of being able to create something, I'm a creator at heart. I've always been a creator and whether that's creating babies or creating businesses, <laughs> it's kind of my, kind of my jam. So uh, back in 2008, oh goodness, mid recession, we had purchased and actually built our first home. And you know, it was the, the thing that one investment that everybody tells you could never possibly go wrong. And then it did. <laughs> so my husband went, he actually quit his, his full-time job. He already had his bachelor's degree and a great career. But he wanted to go back to school to get his MBA in international business. So I was supporting him. I started a preschool out of our garage and was doing all the things to try to put food on our table while that was happening. And then he graduated, of course, in the middle of the recession and jobs are scarce and our house is worth a third of what we paid for it. And all the horrible, you know, nightmare stories that you've got to have to tell your grandkids someday. And, and then, so at that time, he actually ended up getting a job with Mercedes-Benz Financial Services, moved into Michigan. Again, I'm in Arizona at the time. We had two small kids and a newborn. I think a two-year-old, a one-year-old, and a newborn at the time. Wow. Right? <laughs> right? And so, you know, this will just give you a little glimpse into my crazy because he's gone. I'm at home alone, alone, right? right. With these, with these three babies. And at nighttime, I'm bored out of my mind. And I'm thinking, how do I keep myself occupied? So I had to, had some experience seeing some little girls, especially a niece and somebody in my, in my preschool class wearing these hair flowers. So I thought, Oh, I can make those cheaper than I could buy them. Cause we're broke poor. And so I went to Hoppy Lobby, bought some hair flower clips, ripped them apart, glued them back together, attached them to an alligator clip and, and called it Bailey's blossoms after my daughter Bailey and blossom because it was a hair flower that we started <laughs> sticking in our hair. So all that to say, I also have problems with, uh, I'm, I'm a go big or go home kind of girl. Mm -hmm. And I way overbought because I'm like, oh, bulk is cheaper. So, you know, why not buy a hundred? She doesn't need a hundred, but that just seems like the better value buy. So we'll just do that. And five days later, I ended up launching baileysblossoms.com, had this business and never looked back. So started at my kitchen table in Arizona, making hair flowers. And then it very quickly, I realized, okay, I'm making these stupid little hair flower clips. I'm selling them for like three to $7 a, a pop on Etsy and had their website, but people weren't shopping on the website. I wasn't promoting the website. So anyways, I realized that my dollar per hour proposition was the pits. I'm like, man, I make better teach money teaching down my garage. <laughs> and so I started making tutus for birthdays and tutu costumes. And I just started thinking, what else can I do that I can sell for more that it won't, will take less of my time will give me more money per hour that kind of matches what I felt like my time was worth. So I started doing this and I kept adding things based off of what people were um, giving me feedback as to what they wanted. And it worked out really well, a little too well, in fact, that after I went to Michigan, met up with my husband, had our fourth child, and things started to get a little bit crazy. I wasn't managing things very well. And uh, and long story short, my husband got a job offer to that would take us to Sao Paulo, Brazil. And he said, but honey, I'm so sorry, you won't be able to do your business because you don't have a work visa. And I'm like, hell freaking Luya, I'm done. <laughs> and, and I quit and I went on social media. We had like, oh goodness, Facebook was young at the time. I think we had about 23,000 people that, uh, or I, cause I was alone at that point, had 23,000 people wow. following Got on and said, Hey, thanks so much for following. I'm, we're taking a two to three year break, but stay tuned. Cause when we get back, it's going to be bigger and better 
better than ever before. I don't know what that meant. I mean, I had, did, had no idea what that meant, but I knew that I had a couple of years to figure it out. Right. Mm-hmm. So we moved to Brazil. Um, and during that time I rubbed shoulders with some really phenomenal entrepreneurs and realized that I need something of my own. I need to create. Mm-hmm. I, I had that yes. bug in me. And once I mastered the language and there was no challenge, I started getting very antsy. And I was by, so by the time we moved back to the States, we actually landed in Texas, which is where we're at now. And I was gung ho geared up and ready to, to launch Bailey's Blossoms again. So I told my husband, I want to launch this thing. And he said, okay, how much money is it going to take? Cause there's always that. And I said, all of it. And he goes, come again. <laughs> and, uh, and I convinced him, I said, I, I need every last dime that's in our savings account. And I depleted it to nothing. I took every single cent that we had saved up, um, wow. after we had, and we purchased a home and then I took the rest and I said, give me a year and I will put it all back where it belongs. And within three months I was able to do that. So he was worried about my ability to balance as it had, as we had left it the, the last time when I was ripping my hair out. So, but I had changed the business model to where I was actually doing DIY tutorials and I was selling the kits and, um, and teaching people how to do this, this crafting themselves. So I wasn't doing the hard intensive labor. I was doing the initial creation and then teaching people to do it themselves so that they could sell, save money. Well, again, lots of details condensed. Uh, I had somebody reach out to me and she said, Hey, I love your designs. I love your work, but I do not want to make this thing. And I said, yeah, well, it's really not that hard. She goes, no, I don't care about how hard it is. I just have no interest. Will you please do this for me? And I thought I cannot open that can of worms, but I hated the fact that I couldn't service her and so, or serve her. So I, I ended up going back to the drawing board and saying, okay, what does it look like to not have a DIY kit? What if I just put together like a romper, just a basic romper. And I sold it in like a, a romper kit with a, with these elements of these outfits that they could put together and have this complete look. So at that, I created our first romper. And from there we slowly morphed into what we are today, which is a full fledged clothing line. So again, never went to school, never took fashion or design classes and just Googled my way through this whole journey and it worked out. So, and we still do that today. So wow. Erin, your story is amazing. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on here is because so many of my listeners are their makers, their creatives, right. just like you. And they're going to totally understand they're, I'm like you too. I have a, an itch and need to have something that's my own where you've yes. got to be creative. So I get that. I want you to, to talk a little bit about the Etsy glitch. Oh yeah. That so was- <laughs> lean in on that for a second. Absolutely. Okay. So now I'm going to fast forward a little bit. So we went to Brazil. We went, we went, we went there with four kids. We came back with five <laughs> and then, right. Had to keep just making sure we had babies all along the way. And then, so we're in Texas and we have our number six. Well, by the end of 2015, yes, yes. I'm going to Mike, hopefully I'm right. I'm yes. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> End of 2015. And in 2015, it we had done $600,000 in sales on Etsy. And I'm looking at it and going, hot dang, life can't get any better than this. And, I, you know, I've arrived. Things are great. But at the same time, I've got six kids. I'm getting to the point where things are a little bit helter-skelter again. My sanity is in question, all the things. So I went to my husband and I said, hey, here's the thing, you know, 
I feel like we have to do something. Something radically needs to change. So either you need to quit your job or I need to quit mine. But something tells me that that would be real stupid. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so he said, okay, well, why don't we, and we, you know, we hit our knees and took it to the Lord and we said, okay, well, what if we budget in 2016, starting in January, as if your, your income is the only income that we have and ignore my husband's and just see if we could do this whole entrepreneur thing. Funny at that point, I still was like, can I be an entrepreneur? I didn't actually associate what? myself with one. It was kind of, kind of quirky, right? Looking back, it makes me giggle. But <laughs> so anyways, January, January 1st, we were starting this thing, not two weeks into January, not two weeks. And granted, Etsy sent me a Christmas gift, y'all. I was one of the biggest, um, one of the biggest shops on their platform and doing very well. They sent me a Christmas gift. We start this whole budgeting plan. We think that we're doing all the right things. And two weeks into the new year and Etsy has a policy change in how things are reported out. There was a little bit of a falling out. We long story short, we get booted from the platform. Wow. 85% of our sales up oh in God. smoke over freaking night. And I, died inside. Mm. I mean, I just died. So at that point, we're working out of my garage still. I have a small team of, of mothers who come and they bring their kids to my house and all of our <laughs> kids are running around playing and all the things. And I walk outside and my uh, office manager, if you, uh, or customer service office manager, whatever, I mean, we're a small team. Right. Went And I said, hey, you know, w- walked out there. She's eight and a half months pregnant. And I said, you know, this is what happened. We're no longer on Etsy, all the things. And she said, Aaron, are you telling me that after I have this baby, I'm not going to have a job? And while that had been my intention, when she put it that way, I didn't have the heart. So I looked at her and I said, no, I am telling you that if you will be flexible with me, your job description just might change. And she looks at me and she goes, okay, what does that mean? And I'm thinking, I have no idea. <laughs> but I said, let's why don't we do this? Why don't you, we're going to get on Etsy and we are going to individually message everybody who's purchased with us and just say, thank you so much for your support. Just wanted to give you a heads up that Bailey's Blossoms can now exclusively be found at baileysblossoms.com. None of the rhetoric, none of the, in, you know, the details that don't matter, just the thank you. You've supported us. Here's where you can continue to find us. And, uh, we did that for two days. And by the end of the second day, we were, our sales were three, four times higher than they had ever been on Etsy and on our website. And I'm thinking what incarnation is going on? Is this just last touch, you know, front of mind? Is this going to, you know, be a, a week of, of bliss followed by, you know, the reality of despair? I mean, what, what is this? And so I went to social media and I'm trying to find all these clues and I'm looking at through the emails and people, all, everyone's writing us back. Oh my gosh, this is huge. Congratulations. What a big move for you. What a, and I'm thinking, we've always had a website. People. <laughs> yep. We always had the website. So I don't, under, I couldn't figure out what was going on. So I go to social media and, um, and I realized that people are tagging us in their posts. And I'm thinking, well, that's cool. Okay. And so I open up a specific picture, which caught my eye and I start going through this woman's feed and I'm like, Oh, her daughter's been wearing Bailey's blossoms for like a year plus even two years. But so why am I only seeing these pictures now? And I go to some of her, her older pictures and she had tagged Etsy. 
oh my gosh, mm. where'd you get that cute romper? Oh, thank you so much. Hashtag Etsy. And suddenly it was, oh my gosh, thank you so much. Hashtag Bailey's Blossoms. It wow. changed everything. The light bulbs went on. I thought, holy crap, I have been busting my butt building up somebody else's business, pointing them to a platform where they can go and they can shop my competitors. What in the world? <laughs> what in the world have I been doing? And so at that moment, I realized, and we had, I mean, I could, I wish I had pictures to show you because our jewelry was on plain white hang tags, no name. Our packaging, plain poly bags, no name. There was an, our name was on nothing because in my mind, this was just some little side thing that I was doing. And it was kind of like sweeping under the rug, no big deal. And I was almost embarrassed to, mm -hmm. to kind of what I felt was like toot my own horn. And so I never shared I never shared the, the name. I never really shared the brand because I didn't, I didn't treat it like a brand because I didn't believe it was worthy of being one. But all of a sudden I'm looking at everybody else and everyone else is saying, this is a brand. And I'm thinking, did I do that? Did I, did I create a brand? Is this worthy to be called that? Well, yeah, I guess. I mean, these are my designs. I mean, I, yeah. I, what else would it be? And so once I, acknowledged that and allowed that to be my truth and to speak that truth into the world, I realized the world was long gone ready well before I ever was to call it a spade a spade. I was the one dragging my feet. And so that year by making the little changes, we put our brand name on everything. I mean, I put it on the jewelry. I put it on, we started on our hang tags on, I mean, everything. And we grew 233% that year. And then hundred percent the year after that. And this year we're on target for hundred percent again. And so the past three years in a row, we've made the Inc 5,000 um, top selling companies in, in America list, but that only that rapid growth, I could show you a, a chart where it's just like little growth, little, little growth, little growth, boom. And that was because number one, we got smart about the platforms we showed up on whose business we were actually promoting. And we understood or learned uh, the power of a brand. So wow. Okay. Crazy. Aaron, you said so much in that little bit <laughs> like right there. Vomit, <laughs> and, no. And I honestly, when you started talking about Etsy and I knew the end of the story and I still started sweating because <laughs> the thought of that, where yeah. you were making your, that was your business and then yes. you get kicked off. And there were two or three things there that I love that you did. I love the power of the individual messaging that you did. I have enough sense to know that was a huge pain in the butt. But when you yes. backed into a corner, <laughs> you and your team came out fighting and said, what's the only thing that we can do? We can go in there and start messaging these people individually. Yep. And like you said, lo and behold, you had developed loyal customers, not to Etsy, but to you. You yeah. had just not necessarily realized that. And then right. when we were pre-chatting, I want you to add just a little bit to this if you want to. We were doing a little pre-chat and mm -hmm. I had asked Erin, I said, what is something that you get questioned about a lot? And we were, she led into brand identity. And yeah. I know that my listeners heard just now where you said, when I realized the power of my brand and realized it was already happening, that changed a lot. I love the fact that something bad out of something bad, you getting kicked off yes. of Etsy caused you to realize something way better. Incredible. Maybe so this much is better. a, yeah, this is something for 2020, right? For us to definitely think about in this, yes. in this year, particularly, but is there something that you want to add to, to any maker or anybody like me? I'm a copywriter and a coaching consultant. 
what is it that you would tell them about brand identity? Yeah. You know, it's so interesting because I think so often we feel like if we're going to make it, we have to do it on our own wisdom and merits alone. And it's, this is my business and I have to, I have to grind myself into the pavement and I have to do all of this hard work and I, A through Z, it's all me, it's all me. And when I realized that my customers were ahead of the game from me, and I realized that it was my customer's feedback that drove my success by my willingness to listen to them rather than me saying, this, no, this is my idea. This is my idea. It was a, wait a second, you're already in my ecosystem. Give me your feedback. What do you want to see? I'm going to listen to you. And what do you know? People feel valued. They feel, they feel a sense of loyalty because you're listening to them and responding to them. And you value their input. You value their input, they value you. So one of the things that we did, uh, which really helped our, us to build up our brand, and when I talk about it now, people go, oh my gosh, what a fen- phenomenal strategy. And I'm like, you don't get it. It wasn't a strategy. Here's, I mean, a couple things. So we had this, this cutie contest that we developed based off of a photo that had been shared with me from a customer. And I thought, oh my gosh, I, it filled me with so much joy to see a customer photo, to see it in my stuff in application, making someone's day. And I thought, how can I get more of these? Because I just want to see, I want to encourage people to share with me because it just filled me so much. And so we created this cutie contest where we said, you know, you submit a photo, one photo per month of your child, or sometimes even your dog wearing our stuff and right. (laughs) And for a chance to win, a gift certificate to baileysblossoms.com. And so here it is. I'm like, I, I was just trying to incentivize people to share because I wanted it. I wanted to see it. But what happened was now at this point, we get seven to 800 pictures a month given to us, all customers, all released to us for our use on social media, on our website, on our email blasts, on our advertisements, on whatever we want. And so you go to baileysblossoms.com 80% plus of the pictures that you see there aren't paid models, they're customers. And so what happens when uh, Susie Q gets an email blast with her little daughter's face front and center? She's taking a, scra- a screenshot and she is sharing it with the world because she's so proud and she's so excited. So without realizing that that's what we were doing, we allowed our customers to be a part of making our brand. They're a part of the brand story because their faces are what makes up everything that you see. And so that was a huge element uh, where that pride comes into play. And we really, it taught me a lot about what the customer wants. The customer doesn't want to be a number. The customer doesn't want to be a dollar sign. The customer wants to be a human being. And the customer wants to do business with another human being. And if you can get out from behind your computer and put a face to your name and a personality to boot, people, people, crave that. And they, they're chasing that because nobody wants to be doing business with big corporate America anymore. They want to support the, the girl next door that they wish they could be best friends with if they actually were closer in proximity, you know? And so it made a huge difference to allow them to be a part of that story. And now we're, goodness, we're 750th, 750,000 moms strong at this point. And it's just been phenomenal. So, uh, and all of that, that's not one person grinding herself into the pavement. That is 
hundreds of thousands of people getting on board and being proud to share glimpses of their life and things that they're proud of and things that they love, which is their children and allowing us to be a part of that. Sharing their feedback. We listen, we grow. Wow, Erin. Okay. We could just end the podcast now. (laughs) You have delivered so much value right there because I think that is what we're all wanting to do is find a way to build a community around our brand and not just be that one person who's out there just trying to scream the message because you can't scream it loud enough these days. You really do have to build a community around you. Hey, it's me. I wanted to pause this episode for just a second for a commercial. This episode is brought to you by my online course, Creating an Ideal Customer Story. Maybe you were like me several years ago. You kept, hear, you kept hearing all of these business coaches saying, get really clear on who it is that you serve. Know your target audience. And you keep wondering, but how? How do I get clear? How do I find out about my target audience? I got really frustrated and overwhelmed. And so slowly over time, I figured out a system, figured out a process, and I did it. And I will be honest, it did change my business. It changed how I looked at my business. It gave me a purpose. It gave me some inspiration, especially in the really tough days. And so then I created a course to teach other business owners how to do it. It's called Creating an Ideal Customer Story. And you will hear the word story in the title because that's a very important element. When you finish the course, it's just two hours, so really you can finish it over a weekend or less, even a night, you will end up with a story, a narrative about your ideal client. And that's important because when you do get stuck, you cannot figure out what you want to say in that email exactly, or social media is really putting a drain on you. You pull that story back out and you read it and you're reminded of why this person buys from you. Why it's important that you continue on with this business or what, why it brought you joy in the beginning. So anyway, if this sounds anything like you, this course is perfect for you. Head to my site, inspiretoengage.com forward slash online courses. And there you'll find it. It's right now 20 bucks. It's the year 2020. So whether you're listening at way after 2020, it's $20 right now. And it's like I said, less than two hours. So once again, head to my site, inspiretoengage.com forward slash online courses. Now back to this episode. Let me ask you, what do you do? Because you have done a really good job. Once Etsy said, bye, you said, watch this. What? <laughs> but watch what we're about to After do. After I cried a lot. <laughs> but yes, <laughs> no, I totally agree. Crying is perfectly fine. And I think you may have even said that. Crying is fine. It's just picking yourself back yes. up and going, okay, correct. Dust yourself off and getting back. Mm-hmm. So you really got serious about your e-commerce site. Yes. I want you to talk to us a little bit about how you bring people to your site. We've already talked about the brand identity. Absolutely. How do you bring new people or, or even customers who've already shopped with you? How do you keep them coming to your site and keep them there? Absolutely. Yeah. So I think a lot of people and myself, I'm guilty of this as well. And especially in the beginning where I thought, I don't know what gets somebody to my website. I don't know what gets people to stay. I don't know what gets people to purchase. So I'm just going to throw all the spaghetti at the wall and hope something sticks 
And that's all fine and dandy when you're in testing phase, but when something sticks, you go and you examine the tar out of that stupid little piece of noodle. I mean, you want to know what is it that made that noodle stick and the other ones fall to the ground. So what I've been able to do through collecting data is I, similar to collecting customer feedback, data is there to be able to help drive your decisions so that you're not playing a guessing game. Now you, once you have data under your belt, now you're making informed, smart decisions. And that's how you really, truly scale. So I've taught this principle, um, both to executive teams nationwide, as well as on different podcasts and other avenues as well. But I'll try to make it as simple as possible because it can be a little bit intense. But ultimately, there's three levers that I like to pull to be able to drive uh, to drive additional growth and scale your business. Number one is traffic. Number two is conversion. And number three is average order value. So to illustrate this, we'll talk about the first case scenario. So if, for example, traffic, what drives traffic? Well, it can be something that's trending, like a, tre- a trending item, trending collection, whatever it happens to be. Um, uh, now let's say my goal just for simple math, I'm going to say my goal is I want a $5,000 sales day. Okay. So if I want $5,000 in sales a day, and I know that my average order value falls somewhere around 50 bucks and my conversion rate falls around 2%, then that means that for every hundred people I get to my website, that two people are going to check out and both of them are going to spend 50 bucks. So hundred people come to the website, hundred dollars in sales, simple math again. Um, now so if I know that I'm going to be basing something off of a tra- like a trending collection and I'm, I am pulling the traffic lever, so to speak, then I know that in order to get $5,000 in sales with a 2% conversion rate and a $50 average order value, that I need 5,000 people coming to my website in order to make that happen. Now, then it just becomes, all right, I know how many people need to come to my website to be able to get to the number that I want. So how do I make that happen? So then you just go and you say, okay, how do I drive traffic? What's currently driving my traffic? Is it social media? Is it Facebook? Awesome. Okay. Well, if it's Facebook and I'm posting one time a day and I'm getting 3000 eyes on my, or whatever it happens to be. And we know that for, it's like a funnel. You've got the top of the funnel, meaning how many people are seeing it? How many people are engaging with it? 3000 people may see it. 1,000 people may engage with it. 500 of those might actually go to your website. 100 of those might actually put something in their cart. 20 of those might actually, you know, I mean, it, it gets smaller and smaller and smaller. So it's understanding how many eyes do you need to get on your stuff in order to get the traffic over to the website to meet, to meet 5,000 people so that you can get $5,000 in sales ultimately. So it's really looking at what are my current traffic sources and especially, especially because of that Etsy situation we discussed earlier, how many of those do you own? Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, mm-hmm. you know, all, all of those things, TikTok, they're all fine and dandy, but you don't own the platform and somebody can change it tomorrow. So make sure that you're also building up your email list. You're also building up your SMS list and that heaven forbid, everything else falls away. You still have access to your customer base and you still have a home base meaning your website and not someone else's platform. So all of these other platforms, these third-party platforms, whether it's Etsy or Facebook or any other medium should be seen as a vehicle to get to your home, not actually your home itself. Cause you can't own a house that's built on someone else's land. So there's that one. So okay. case number two is conversion which is all uh, dollar driven, right? So if it's, uh, so case number two, conversion, meaning if I know that we normally get a uh, 2% conversion rate, so 100 people come to the website, 2% normally check out, what 
causes people to check out more impulsively, usually a sale. Uh, so conversion model could be a sale model. If I know I'm doing like a big black, you know, pre black Friday event or whatever that happens to be, then I know, okay, maybe I can get my conversion rate to 2.5% with the sale rather than just 2%. Now what happens if it's 2.5%? Now my average order value may still be 50 bucks, but with a conversion rate at 2.5%, I no longer need 5,000 people coming to my website. Now I only need 4,000. It still equals $5,000 in sales. That 0.5% conversion rate difference, it, 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 the, the sales yeah. tip, it shifts. Right. And so then it becomes, okay, so if I'm going to do a conversion rate, pull the conversion rate lever today, then what does that look like? What promotion, um, what value add am I offering? And then breaking it down from there. What, what's worked in the past? Is it a buy one, get one? Is it a, you know, free shipping? Is it a doorbuster deal? Is it a flash sale? I mean, so many different options, right? But that drives your conversion rate up and helps you to get to that, that sales goal dollar figure that you've got. Lever number three is average order value. What it, and, and again, there's multiple things that you can play with for each of these mm -hmm. levers. I'm just giving you a, a very blanket idea of how it works. Uh, average order value can, can, for us, looks like new arrivals. If we want the average order value to go up, it's not going to be because our prices just went down. It's going to be because people want something that's new at full price. They're going to pay more money for it because they've never seen it before. Now, is our conversion rate going to go up? No, because it's not a sale. So it's probably still going to be around 2%. Uh, our traffic can still be maintained at 4,000 people. But if the average order moves from $50 to $62.50, it still equals $5,000 at the end of the day. So it really comes down to what is your goal for the month, for the week, for the, for the day, for the year, whatever it happens to be, identify what your goal is and then determine a plan and say, which lever am I pulling today? And what does that look like? Is it going to be traffic, trending items? Is it going to be conversion, some type of sale or promotion, or is it going to be average order, new arrivals or something else that keeps that dollar value up? Oh, Erin, I love that. I've heard you talk about that before and your explanation here was so good. The visual, the levers, it really works yes. for me. And so I hope it works for listeners too, to imagine that these are things as business owners, as an e-commerce site owner that yes. you have some control over because I, I agree Absolutely. with you. A, a lot of times we feel like, I, I don't, I don't know how anybody's finding me. And yeah. honestly, it's okay to ask that question but it's our job to go figure it out. Yes. Like you said with that analogy, it's perfectly fine to sling stuff on the wall, but when something sticks, I think you said, study the tarnation out of it or something yes, like that. And I loved absolutely. it. I mean, like figure it out. Yes. Um, I also heard you speak too, and I want you to share this little tidbit. It was, you were talking about how sometimes people have a product that they really want to sell. Yes. And they will it's not doing try so to good. lead with it. Mm -hmm. yes. yes. And that actually goes Talk into about that. that. That goes into conversion rate as well. So I talked about conversion rate can be sale, but also if you want to increase your conversion rate and you're going, man, how come people bounce off my site so much? Well, first and foremost, you go to your website, the, your prime real estate is right. Is what you see right when you land on that homepage. 
Before people start using their fingers to scroll up or down or left or right, it is exactly what you see. So what should you be leading with? You should be leading with the best of the best that you have to offer. Now that's not the best of the best of what you think is what you have to offer. It's what the data is telling you people are converting. So if you go, man, no, I really love this yellow dress. I don't know why it's not selling. I'm going to put it on the front page of my website. No, 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 no. I don't care that I love the yellow dress. If nobody else loves it, I'm not putting it on the homepage of my website. I'm putting the black one that I was like, really? That's what everybody likes? All right, whatever. If people are going to buy it, I'm going to put it on the front page of my website. And then so it, it becomes a look at your data. And again, we're clothing line. So all of my stuff is going to be based off of clothing. But this the same principle applies for any type of uh, of. of retail business model. But if I have different categories of products and I know right now in fall and winter, we're going to be selling sweaters, but in summer and, and spring, it's going to be jumpsuits and rompers. Then I know that the home, that the banner at the top of my website should focus on the absolute best of the best that I've got. So it's going to be a banner of the top selling items, but not or the top selling collection, but not just the top selling collection, the top selling items within that collection. So it's not good enough to say, oh, I know that sweaters are going to sell right now and I'm going to put the worst selling sweater to represent the collection. No, no. you're going to put the best selling sweater to represent the collection. So there's, there's a lot of we sell wholesale a lot. And so when we have buyers that come in that really know that they, they've been in business a long time, I can always tell the difference because you've got your new ones that come in and they want to pick everything that they personally like. And then you've got your established business owners who are really succeeding. They come in and they're like, I don't really care what my opinion is. Tell me what's moving. Tell wow. me what everybody else likes. Give me the data. And once they, the people who know to lead with data rather than personal opinion are the ones who succeed. Wow. Well, and that comes to, I, I totally agree with you on that because I do a lot of talking about knowing your ideal client and yes. we often as business owners, we're not our ideal client, right? You, you've got to know who it is that's buying from you, what it is that they want. Yes. And for you, you said lead with the data. I loved, I heard you share that tip like I said, on a, on another po podcast. And I thought, duh, that, that makes so much common sense, but you're right. As business owners, so many times we try to shove out there what we want people to buy, or we're mad at ourselves for purchasing it and it's not selling. So we're going to throw yes. it out there. Stop. If we want to yes. make more money, give them what they want. Yes. And I have people ask me all the time, Erin, will you please take a look at my website? Will you audit my website? Tell me, do you think it looks good? And I'm like, wrong question. Uh, if you want me to audit your website, you shouldn't care about what I think about whether or not it's aesthetically pleasing. I want to know how it's converting. I want to know what your sales look like because I've seen some gorgeous websites that are complete, that are selling absolutely nothing. And on the contrary, I've also seen some horrible, ugly, in my opinion, websites that are making top Bank. dollar yes. and they're doing phenomenal. So really it's not about someone's personal opinion, whether yours or otherwise, it's about the data. And if so the data that's, that you're being fed back through the community that you've built up is different than your personal opinion, you know what? Get on board. It's fine. And I'll give you a perfect example of this. I always thought I, I'm a mother of six money was tight. And so I've always been a thrifty shopper and not only a thrifty shopper, but it's like a, Hey, a four time hand me down with, you know, I mean, as long as there's not holes in the crotch, you're good. You're wearing it. You're fine. <laughs> and so the concept of people buying 
not just new clothes for their kids, but, but clothes at a certain price point or higher was so hard for me to get behind. And I thought I can't sell a child's dress for $38. That's ridiculous. I'm not going to make something to that quality of, to that caliber of quality because I, my customer, if they're like me, they want it for under 20. And while yes, there's a portion of my customers that love that. My, I finally had a member of my team say, Aaron, just try it. It's a beautiful dress. We can, I mean, it's going to be more pricey, but worst case scenario, it's a flop. We never do it again, but how do you know until we test it? And so I slowly, I'm like, all right, let's test $25. Oh, wow. People love that dress. Okay. Let's test $30. Well, people love that dress. I'm like, holy smokes. You don't know until you test. So don't not test something because of your personal opinion, test it and see what your customer base says. Mm. Once again, another mic drop right there on, (laughs) (laughs) let me ask you, we, Aaron and I are recording, it's mid-October and I want to know how are you prepping your site, any emails, how are you prepping for quarter four Mm -hmm. and getting ready for holiday shoppers? You may already be seeing an influx. I have a lot of boutique owners already seeing an influx of shopping. Right. And we haven't started talking about Black Friday deals yet. And there are shoppers are already out there. So what are you, what are you doing to prep? So great question. Um, I think that one of the things that we have noticed is that we are, we do lots of pack and ship all day long. I mean, we're in a, at this point, we've got a 25,000 square foot warehouse and 5,000 square foot of office that we're working out of and a team of, of, uh, mid 30, mid 30, like 34 right now, I believe. Wow. Aaron. And, um, Small and mighty is what they are. They, they kick tail. But one of the things that my team kept coming back and saying is, okay, these, these Black Friday deals, for example, we have these big, big sales, but then we're backed up for weeks mm. trying to fulfill these orders. It's torture. It's torture. So what can we do to level the playing field? And I thought, can we? And so last year we did... Um, we had somebody that said, what if we did pre-Black Friday doorbusters? What if we just kind of tapered this out all the month long and see if we can't level it out a little bit so we kind of know what we're expecting? It was genius. So I think the biggest thing that we're doing right now, if I could give any advice, is think outside the box. Don't just do what everybody else is doing. Look for ways to be different and unique and to, and to get that business before earlier than you might expect. And then what it does is it makes you, uh, it helps level your sales. It helps you provide a better customer experience because they're not waiting three weeks to get their stuff. And it also just provides you with an opportunity to get ahead before all of the big players like your targets and your Walmarts come out and, and try to crush all the little guys. Right. So there's, there's a lot to be said for thinking outside the box, getting out the gate early so that you have a really great run in a really successful season. Super piece of advice right there. I, (laughs) I, I like what you said about leveling the playing field because I do work with a lot of creatives and just like when you started Bailey Bailey's blossoms, it was extremely small. And so when they do get backed up and especially if it's handmade items, oh, yeah. you're right. Brutal. They, it is brutal. And it and does kiss the holiday be- season. Goodbye. <laughs> you, you do, you do. In fact, I've really been pushing a lot of my clients to be like, Hey, what is your custom 
order deadline. Get it out there now. Yep. It will save you, save yourself so much trouble. But then you're right. It falls into a customer service issue eventually Yes. where you have a loyal customer who loves you and adores your work, but because it's now three and four weeks before they've gotten their good ticked, they're ticked. And so yeah. that is, that is such a smart idea to get ahead of the game, be thinking about how you can, um, can make the experience great for your customer and for you as a business yes. owner. <laughs> yes. And so one of the things that we ended up doing that we love is that we do, um, it, we do daily deals where we do one specific item or one specific grouping of items, uh, that's put on sale. And we understand that people are going to come in for that doorbuster deal, so to speak, pre black Friday doorbuster deal. And then they're going to add some of the other stuff, which guess what isn't discounted. So my profit margins up, I'm able to manage my sales better. My team can keep up. The customer service experience is better. And it's not just about keeping the loyal customers happy. Can you imagine a first time customer mm. who has no storyline, no trust level with you? And that's their first experience is that you're one, two, three plus weeks behind. No, thank you. You know? And so one of the things that, especially when people are shopping online with someone that they're unfamiliar with, that's not a big corporation that has a lot of social proof and trust is that if they don't get a shipping notification within three days, they're panicking. I just got scammed. Oh my gosh. And so the quicker you can get it out, the more people are going to vouch for you, not complain on social media, not take it, you know, get all nasty to where now you have to get defensive or, or give something away for free. And it just, it, it builds up your, uh, your trust level, your social proof, it gives you credence and, and credit in the eyes of the consumer. And that breeds loyalty. And it does. You're so right in everything as far as having, creating loyal customers out of new right. customers. Yes. Let me ask you, because I know we're running low on time. You are an extremely busy woman. These last two questions are kind of fun. What <laughs> is your favorite part of being a business owner? Mm, very definitely. Uh, for me, business growth is in tandem with personal growth. And that may not be true for everybody, but it's definitely true for me. As long as I am growing personally, my business is growing. But if I go stagnant and stale, so does my company. And I think that's because once we stop being innovative and we stop seeing the opportunities that lie for us as an individual, whether that's, I want to pick up a new hobby. I want to improve my communication skills. I want to read a book. I mean, whatever it happens to be, if I stop on that personal progress journey, then I stop everywhere. And so my favorite part about business is the fact that it propels the tar out of me to be able to be, become who I want to become. There's no slowing down and nor do I want it to be that way. So I surround myself with people, with leaders and with people who are willing to challenge me and, and I, and I them as well. So that is my absolute favorite, uh, least favorite. Oh goodness. I don't know that I have a least favorite as much, as much as it is that I have some harsh learning lessons that I've accumulated over time. Uh, I can say that learning leadership was not a fun process for me, but I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. It was hard and uh, it, I felt like it was very not natural. I am a, you know what, it's fine. If you want it done, if you want it done right, just do it yourself kind of person. Mm -hmm. And thank you, Sebastian. <laughs> and, uh, and so it just, 
learning that that's not actually the case, letting go of my pride and learning to delegate and to become a better version of myself through the, the unified efforts of a team and allowing people to take pride in this baby that I had created and not just keeping that pride for myself was, uh, a very valuable lesson for me. I needed to learn that. I needed to let some things go and I needed to learn how to invite other people in and be okay with the fact that, you know what, I don't need to have all the answers. But when I am surrounding myself with people who are smart and passionate and loyal, then I'm better because of it. And I can't change that. I'm, we're so beyond the point right now where this is, this is a one-woman show anymore. <laughs> and, and I have to say where I'm at now is leaps and bounds beyond where I ever could have even imagined. I'm so grateful for that. I know you are. I know you're grateful because I agree with you. It's amazing what you've accomplished, but it is because you have surrounded yourself with people who are going to push you. I have right. one final question before we close you know, you talk, you do a great job talking about data. Does that come natural to you or was it? Oh, it's learned in the, <laughs> in the beginning because Absolutely. I'm scared of data. And when I, because I feel bad when I see numbers, I don't like then all mm -hmm. of it, all of a sudden becomes very personal. Right. So you, you talk a lot about data where, what's your history with being able no to school for one. <laughs> so really it's just been a Google and a learn and, and seeing patterns of, wait a second, there's some patterns here of consumer behavior. There's some, I mean, it really just started on social media where I thought, why do some posts perform better than others? What is it? Is it the copy? Is it the content? Is it the fact that one's a picture, one's a video? Do lives do better than, than uploaded videos do? I mean, it's just asking questions and looking for trends and capturing trends. And once you start to see what that can do as far as data feels scary because it feels like extra work. But when you realize that the data frees you from extra work because you don't have to be creative all the time and think of the next, you don't have to be a human eight ball who can see into the future that it will give you insights that will save you hundreds of hours of your life. And once you can tap into that, it changes everything. It changes everything. So That's yes, pain, pain in the butt. Absolutely. But really not once you really understand what it can do to free you up. Yeah. That's a great perspective that I'm going to save myself tons of time. Yes. If I get really good at just looking at this data, I like that perspective. I'm definitely yes. going to take it in and I'm going to be a big girl and just, just go for it and not take it so personal. I think that's part of the thing too, yeah. is we just take it so personal, but it's not, it's about growing this business. Well, and hey, a perfect example of that, if you don't mind my just yeah, sharing is we have a phenomenal customer service team. And our, our email platform gave us the ability to do common replies uh, where we could save these little common replies and then just kind of hashtag them in to insert them. Well, it's a lot of work to set up common replies. And so we just kept pushing it off and pushing it off, pushing it off. And I'm like, wait a second, if we were to calculate the time that it spends to type this up every single time we get asked the same stupid question, is it a pain in the butt to set it up? Absolutely. But once you get it set it up, you're saving yourself so much time. It's crazy. So it's, it's the same principle. It's the setup or actually grasping it in the beginning feels like a headache. But when you realize that you can 
you don't need to continually step around all the crap on the floor. If you just pick it up and put it in its spot, it makes all the difference in the world. And you can run through the hallway without tripping, you know, looking like a real mother right oh, there, a mother amen. of sin. Have you figured that out already? <laughs> Genius, I tell you. Oh, oh my goodness, Erin. This conversation has been so much fun. You are, you're a joy to speak with. Oh, thank I you. you. I want you to share with um, my listeners, where can they find out more about you and about your businesses because she actually sure. has multiple businesses. She's yes. just spoken about her, the first one, the Bailey's yes. Blossoms. Yeah. So Bailey's Blossoms is infant and toddler and mommy and me clothing. And then we've got Peyton Bree, which is tween and teen and also housed on the same URL. And then, uh, all Redeen, which is women's. And so all of them are just kind of one family of brands and lines, and they're all found at baileysblossoms.com. You can also find me at erinehooley.com as well as erinehooley on Facebook and Instagram and my podcast, which is conquering chaos, conquering chaos. Perfect yep. name. Perfect name. <laughs> well, Thank Aaron, you. I so appreciate you being here today. I know that you're extremely busy. And so you offering your wisdom and your sweet perspective and go get them attitude with me and with the audience has meant so much. So I appreciate you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me. Hey, I warned you at the beginning of this episode that you needed to take notes I wasn't kidding, was I? Now, you know that I typically close my episodes with some key takeaways. I've got a million and I will narrow it down to three. Before I get to those, if you enjoy this episode, please rate or review it. You know, as a small business owner, it is key. It's crucial. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you in advance and a huge virtual hug to those of you who have already rated and reviewed this podcast. I so appreciate you. Okay, now to the key takeaways. Number one, it's pretty obvious. I loved how she talked about the three levers. Lever one being traffic, lever two being conversion, and lever three being average order value. So her team and she are very cognizant of the data of what's happening on their website, what's happening on social media, so that when they have sales goals, they know what lever they think they should pull. That's brilliant. It's intelligent. And it really boils down to the data and being cognizant of that and aware of that. For somebody like me, data feels so scary. And you probably heard at the end of the episode when I was really peppering Erin with those questions about, but how do you get over that? And she came back really quickly with saying, yeah, but if you get good at looking at the data, you save yourself pain and time in the long run, in the end. Because after all, we're in this business to make money. Every one of us are in this business. We should be able to pay ourselves. And if we have a team around us, we have to be able to pay them. We have to be able to pay our vendors. So we're here to make money. And when we know that, we get really clear at looking at the data. How many people are visiting our website? Where are these people coming from? And then we can get clear about what lever it is that we should pull in order to make the sales goals that we have for that day or for that week, that month, or that certain time period. Once again, lever one was traffic. Lever two was conversion and lever three was average order value. Okay, 
on to takeaway number two. I asked Erin how she and her team are preparing Bailey's Blossoms for the influx of Christmas shoppers. And her answer was not what I was expecting. She said, you know what? We're already offering deals. Her team pushed her last year to think outside the box, try something new. And what they discovered was that offering deals, um, incentives right now, allowed them to provide a better customer service throughout quarter four. It also gave Bailey's Blossoms a steady revenue throughout quarter four. That was a great tip. And I love that her team wanted to try something new. And of course, Erin was like, okay, let's see if this works. Also, her tidbit about the shipping notification, wasn't that smart? Of course, when you're building your brand, when someone lands on your Instagram account and they've never heard from you, ever I'm sorry, have never heard of you, but see your knitted scarves and they're absolutely gorgeous and they order and then they don't get a notification or they don't get their package for another three or four weeks, you can imagine how that damages trust. So it is important we get things shipped out in a timely fashion and that they get that shipping notification so that they know their packages are heading their way and they can can tell all of their friends about this beautiful scarf or fill in the blank, whatever it is that you make. Anywho, I loved how Erin and her team thought outside the box, figured out something that worked better for Bailey's Blossoms, which is to be offering deals throughout quarter four steady revenue and great customer service experience. Definitely something to consider for your business perhaps. Okay, on to the last key takeaway and it involves Erin's Etsy story. I still sweat thinking about the money, the strong business that Erin and her small team of moms had built on Etsy and then for it to go away basically overnight. I, you're probably sweating too thinking about that, but it's such a good lesson for all of us. And just like she mentioned, that is the same with Facebook, Instagram, you name it. If we don't own it, we do need to be aware that they can always change things. And of course, it's going to affect our business. So the point I wanted to make is that She had two choices. She could have closed up shop or she could come out fighting hard. And that's what she chose to do. Erin and her small but mighty team started contacting each of their Etsy customers and saying, hey, you can now buy on our website. Here it is, by the way. And they were blown away by the response from their customers. But they didn't just sit back and let things happen. They said, what's the thing that we can do? Well, guess what? We can contact these people individually. And of course, that was a lot of work. But did it pay off? It did. She also mentioned the power of customers. When her customers started tagging Bailey's Blossoms, started using hashtag Bailey's Blossoms versus Etsy, dang, the numbers went through through the roof because people knew exactly who had created this product and where they could go buy it. 
She also mentioned the fact that her customers love sharing pictures of their children wearing her outfits, wearing Bailey's Blossoms outfits and clothes and accessories. So right there is testimony to the power of our customers, those that love us and adore us, and we love and adore them too. So there's so many great things that came out of a really sad horrible story about basically her business going away, but it didn't. She and her team got really gritty. They got really savvy and came out even stronger. So I know you as a listener, you are going to find power and encouragement in Erin's story. So I appreciate so much her sharing that story. Please be sure to go and check out Bailey's Blossoms. I just appreciate Erin Hooley so much sharing her knowledge and her time with us today. I hope you have learned as much from this episode as I have. And I appreciate you listening. And especially if you've listened all the way to the end. I appreciate you so. Have a wonderful week. Bye.